Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Good afternoon, everyone. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Show. And we are very delighted to have a very special guest on the show today. Today, we have Mr. Marcus Dantos, the founder and CEO of Startup Mexico. Now, you've probably have heard of Marcus. Marcus is a renowned serial entrepreneur. He has over 20 years of experience in creating, managing, funding, and mentoring startups in Mexico and throughout Latin America and even elsewhere throughout the world. Marcus is also the managing partner of Ducks Capital, which is a venture capital firm in Mexico. And of course, if you've ever watched Shark Tank Mexico, which is one of the most popular shows in all of Mexico, Marcus is one of the sharks on Shark Tank Mexico. So we are delighted to have Marcus Dantas on the show today. Marcus, thank you so much for coming on the show today. No, on the contrary, Andy, thank you for considering us. Thank you. Let's get right to it, Marcus. There's a lot of activity in Mexico going on right now in the startup space. You're right in the middle of it. Tell us what's happening at a high level with startups in Mexico right now. Well, look, for the last uh, probably 10 years, we've been building the Mexican ecosystem. Uh, a bunch of uh, accelerators and incubators were created, first in the universities, then some professional ones, uh, like Startup Mexico, and then, and then uh, you know, a bunch of initiatives from outside of Mexico came to Mexico, like Mass Challenge and 500 Startups and, uh, uh, you know, even Y Combinator and, and all these guys have come to Mexico because they see that the talent is here. Um, so I would say that we have a, a, a really buoyant uh, ecosystem right now. We're creating a lot of Startups. There's a lot of funds uh, in Mexico now. Uh, just just to give you a quick idea, we had three funds in 2008. Uh, and by uh, last year, there were over 70 funds. Uh, investment in both Mexico and Latin America has, growth, has grown tremendously, but specifically in Mexico, uh, probably because of the closeness to the U.S. And um, so I say we have a very big opportunity of of becoming an interesting pole for innovation and entrepreneurship. See, I love that, Marcus. And let's talk about 
how, when people approach you and they, they want you to take a look at their startup, I know you probably get inundated all the time from founders and, and, and startup entrepreneurs that say, you know, Mr. Dantas, I want you to take a look at this. I want you to consider this. When you're looking at all of this massive amount of people trying to create something in Mexico, what's the most important thing you look at right now to determine whether you want to get involved in helping, funding, or mentoring these companies? Well, I, I kind of follow, uh, you know, Guy Kawasaki's approach regarding the idea, which is I first look at, at the problem and if there's a real problem that they're solving. Uh, of course, the more people that have the problem, the more frequent the problem probably the wider the market that they're attacking. Uh, I also look at, you know, their differentiators. I mean, are they differentiated in their solution? And, and of course, the team, you know, are these guys ethical? Do, do, do we have something in common? Can I help them? Do I have the contacts, the, the, the experience to help them, etc.? So those are mainly the, 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 the things that I look for. You know, we speak with a lot of uh, venture capitalists and angel investors and uh, serial entrepreneurs that are involved in creating, managing, funding, and mentoring startups in Silicon Valley. One thing that we're hearing that's a little bit different than maybe it used to be in Silicon Valley is that they're looking for the team. The, 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 the person that's flying solo now really doesn't get as much good play up here in Silicon Valley as it used to. Now, people in your position in Silicon Valley are looking at what the team looks like. Is that the same thing that's going on in Mexico right now? Uh, I, yeah, definitely, Andy. I mean, look, my, my theory is that, uh, I, I, first of all, of course, there has to be a team, and, and, and hopefully it's a multidisciplinary team that complements each other, not, not three engineers, you know. Uh, but also... Uh, I mean, it's essential. I, I, I've always said that a, a good entrepreneur, a good group of entrepreneurs with a bad project will probably be more successful than a bad group of entrepreneurs with a good project, you know? So, uh, yeah, definitely. See, I love that. I love that. So when we are looking at the Mexican or the Mexico ecosystem, of which you're sort of the, one of the main hubs in the entire ecosystem for startup companies right now, is there a certain space or a certain uh, area within that ecosystem that's most exciting to you right now? I mean, there are several ones, but I, I, I'll tell you that probably the most exciting one right now in Mexico in general is, is fintech. Uh, and, 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 that's that's mainly because there's a lot of unbanked unbanked people in Mexico, and and the necessity is huge. And and you know, with the pandemic, all these people that don't have insurance, don't have bank accounts, don't have savings, uh, they they really struggled. Um, but I, I I would also say that social impact, uh, uh, you know, and and a bunch of other stuff, you know, automation, robotics. Uh, artificial intelligence, big data are, are very hot segments in Mexico. So people watching this, entrepreneurs might garner from Marcus that if you have a fintech company that has a social meaning behind it or a social, uh, a social component to it, maybe Marcus might be interested in talking to you. That's a very interesting thing. 
Let's talk about the underbank just for a minute, because obviously with the pandemic, this has made a, a spotlight sort of go on these people that have not really been able to cross the digital divide and get into a fintech or a financial technology system. Tell us uh, where you see this going in Mexico, Marcus. How do we get these underbanked or unbanked people starting to use the internet to become banked people? Well, look, first, first of all, we have to understand the situation in Mexico. Most people in Mexico access the internet via their cell phone. Smartphones are a lot more propagated than, than computers. Uh, so, uh, so one of the ways in which you can bank people is using the cell phone, using technologies that actually access, uh, that you can access via the mobile phone. Uh, so there's, there's a ton of initiatives on this regard. There's new banks uh, that, are, that are, you know, using the cell phone to, to, to contact and, and, to, and to keep uh, your accounts open. There's, there's companies that are doing, we've invested in a company, for example, that actually provides uh, a health insurance for, um, uh, you know, for, for domestic personnel, uh, you know, maids and, and, and uh, chauffeurs and the sort which were not unbanked, and immediately they become, uh, you know, banked. They, they have a bank account and they have a insurance, etc. cetera. Uh, there, there's a ton of initiatives. That, uh, you know, there's remittances, which is a very big factor in Mexico. Uh, and, of course, that's been growing. And now there's a ton of ways in which you can do remittances, even uh, not just sending money, but, but perhaps paying uh, the people's, uh, accounts in Mexico paying their bills, you know, uh, uh, remotely. I mean, there's there's many approaches to this, and of course, there's blockchain, which which eventually will also be an important factor, I would think. See, there's there's a lot of opportunity in Mexico just based on the the the, the population and the volume, and now with the internet speeds increasing and in parts of Mexico with the 5G and everybody on their cell phones. You're right in the middle of it, Marcus. Let's talk about the people of Mexico, because I know there's a lot of companies from, from different parts of the world outside Latin America that are saying to themselves, wow, the Mexican people, they're just ready to roll and they're, they're hardworking people and let's they have a great talent pool. What can we do to engage this talent pool down in Mexico? Are you seeing people contact you, Marcus, that say, we want to use the talent pool in Mexico and maybe do a nice collaboration between our company and the talent that you can provide to us? Yes, yes, and there's, there's Mexico, Mexico is interesting because there's only two countries in the world that I can think of that actually connect continents. Uh, one is Turkey, you know, it connects Europe and Asia. And uh, the other one is Mexico. We connect the, the Latin American world with the Anglo-Saxon world. Uh, and uh, even though we're in North America, we're truly the, the, you know, because we are Spanish speakers and we are part of the Latin American continent, uh, we, 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 we actually connect. So anybody, you know, companies from Europe or from the U.S. or from uh Asia sometimes want to come to Israel, you know, they come to Mexico because we are the entry point to Latin America. And uh, if they make it in Mexico, then we can trickle their, their, 
their company down uh, to, to all these other uh, places. And Latin America is a big market. Uh, but companies in Latin America also come to Mexico because we have a bigger market and we are very close to the U.S. And some of these companies, their ultimate goal is to reach the U.S. market. So, so we, we have a, quite an interesting uh, position geographically. Now, you talked about talent. There's something going on in, in, in Latin America that's very interesting. We, we have what's called a demographic bonus. Uh, you know, in Mexico, for example, uh, 53% of the population is under 30 years old. Uh, the media is 27. And over half of the population is also, also in working age. And these are two, uh, uh, you know, numbers that don't really happen that often and don't last that long. And we've tripled the 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 university students in Mexico in the last 15 years. So it's not only that we have young people and that they work a lot because we are, by the way, the, 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 the people that work the most hours in the world, according to the OCD, uh, which actually means that we're not that efficient, but that's a completely different subject. But... Uh, I'd much rather teach efficiency to somebody that already works that much than to teach them how to work that much, right? Uh, but these people are not just young and they work a lot, but they're talented. They, 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 you know, we're the eighth country in the world graduating engineers and scientists, for example. So I think it's a, it's a and, and we are very accessible uh, price-wise. Uh, you know, engineers in Mexico are about a tenth of the cost of engineers in Silicon Valley. So why not engage this, this talent? See, that makes all the sense in the world. It seems like this is a, a, a perfect storm in a, in a positive way, a positive storm for what's happening in Mexico, being the bridge between North America and Latin America, having such a young and talented pool of people that, that are connected to the Internet, uh, on their phones and understand the, the the working of the online world and the online space. And the price points are very, very attractive. So when we're looking at Startup Mexico, do you have people that are from outside Mexico coming to you, Marcus, and saying, hey, I've got a startup, but I want to start it in Mexico, even though I'm not you know, a Mexican or a Mexican company, or do you only specialize in Mexican companies at this point in time? No, we, we have several programs, Andy. We, we, have, a, we have a soft landing program uh, in which we brought companies from Latin America, from Europe, from Israel, from the U.S. into Mexico. We help them create the Mexican entity. Uh, and, uh, you know, we help them with lawyers and accountants and whatnot. And we provide them with a space and contacts to try to, to grow in Mexico. So, so that program is specifically for foreign companies arriving in Mexico. See, I love that. So that's phenomenal. And that is really an important aspect, what I'm hearing, because there's people from, from other countries that won't know the groundwork. They won't know sort of how, how to start a company in Mexico. They won't know the ins and outs. They won't sort of know where to land and where to place their startup in Mexico. And the, culture, the culture is different, Andy. Pardon me? And the culture, the culture is different. And the culture is 100% different. And you and your team help these people land on their feet 
so that they can roll very quickly with their startup. That's very, very brilliant. I didn't even think about that. And that is, that's fantastic, Marcus. I really like hearing that. If you're talking about uh, Mexico City, is that where the, is that the hub of the startup community in Mexico right now, or is it everywhere all over Mexico? I think everywhere in Mexico, there, there, there's a lot of startups, but just the sheer size of Mexico City, of course, makes it the hub. Everybody started saying that Guadalajara was like the Silicon Valley of Mexico. And probably in proportion, uh, Guadalajara has perhaps more startups than other cities. But I mean, Mexico City is three or four times the population of Guadalajara. So obviously, most of the funds are here, most of the incubators and accelerators uh, most of the startups are born in Mexico City. So yeah, I would say Mexico City is a Very good. Let's talk about startup Mexico. You get inundated with a lot of people pitching you their ideas and, and, and so forth. When someone pitches you an idea, you mentioned already sort of how you look at that and how you integrate it into your thought process with regard to whether it's a big opportunity whether they're solving a big problem, whether they have a great team behind them. What do you see? Do people try and get on the phone with you, Marcus, or do they try and email you a pitch deck? What's sort of the process for these companies to, to get in front of Startup Mexico and in front of your team? Well, again, we, we have different programs, Andy, so each program has different processes. So, for example, uh, we have an incubation program, which basically it's, it's an open call for projects. Uh, projects present us their ideas. They, they, I mean, people present us their, their ideas and their projects, and we select the ones that we believe have the most uh, potential, and we incubate them and create companies out of these projects. We have another pro uh, program called uh, an acceleration program, which basically goes to SMBs or to startups at a, at a later stage. Later, I mean, still greenfield startups, but, uh, but, you know, they've already created the company, but they maybe already have an MVP or whatever. So, so we help these companies uh, with innovation, with internationalization, with uh, uh, perhaps with investment. Uh, we, we help them adopt, uh, you know, digital tools or, or help them grow their sales. So that's our acceleration program. And then we have, of course, the fund, uh, Dukes Capital, which... We get companies there via email and LinkedIn and every which way that you can imagine and, and where we simply focus on funding the companies. So, so we have different ways to approach this. See, that makes a lot of sense. Marcus, let's, I know that you know that people watching the show, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that watch the show and they're going to be watching this show and, and they're, they're going to be saying to themselves, well, I don't have a startup yet, but I've got an idea. And here I have Marcus. I'm watching him on the show. And maybe Marcus can give us some, some pointers as a younger entrepreneur of maybe how to approach starting their first startup. And maybe you could give some pointers to these younger entrepreneurs that are watching the show today about what it means to be an entrepreneur and how to get started in, the start, in, in their startup. Well, of course. I mean, I, I always give the same advice to entrepreneurs. I, first, first, in my opinion, you have to find something something that you are passionate about, that you like, 
and and something that you're good at. And and actually, if you if you can combine those two and make that your startup, you're going to be very happy for many years. Uh, so that's the first step. Uh, for example, but I what I do, I love what I do. I, I love that there's no routine to it. I love that every day is different. One day I'm talking to you, another day I'm traveling to Guatemala, you know, it's, 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 it's completely different. And I, and I like that. Um, and if you like what you do, you probably have more chances of being successful. The second uh, advice I would give them is to find a purpose. And, and the purpose cannot be making money. Uh, you know, money will come if you do this well, but, but the purpose has to be something related to making the world a better place in one way or another, to helping people uh, in some way. Uh, and, I think, and, and I think that every single company that has found a true purpose uh, or, or all the companies that are successful today have a true purpose behind them. Uh, and it's not making money. So, so especially for the younger generations, you know, the millennials, the centennials, I would say be patient. Uh, things, things don't happen in a jiffy like when you go to Amazon and get your stuff the next morning. Uh, or go to Netflix and watch a movie. I mean, these things take time. So find a purpose, find something you like, and then find a problem and solve it differently and find a team to help you. And, and the team, I'm not just talking about your partners. I'm talking also about an external team, mentors, consultants, uh, advisors, investors that really uh, broaden your knowledge and that can really help you be successful. See, that's wonderful advice, Marcus. Let's, let's turn the table just a little bit and talk about the startups that not only come to you through your system, and, but to other uh, similar type systems throughout the world. We talk to a lot of startup entrepreneurs, and one thing that sort of shines through is that the ones that are successful – seem to be really focused in on their customers. The ones that maybe are having a tougher time than, than the successful ones get all sort of caught up in their technology and their systems and their platforms, but they're forgetting that they're doing something for a customer. So can you sort of address that from your perspective? I mean, you're completely right. Uh, and this is actually why... Uh, the lean startup methodology to cover the world because it focuses on the customer and design thinking as well. Uh, I, I think the biggest mistake that a startup can make, and I've made it myself, is to develop something just because you can develop it. And, and you end up having a solution that is looking for a problem. And, and that is really not where you want to be. So yes, I think that initially you have to find uh, 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 you have to look at the customers, you have to talk to them, you have to, to, to understand what is it that they want and then try to build that for them, yes. Okay, so earlier in the conversation in our interview, Marcus, you mentioned MVP, minimal viable product. And when people come to, to you to one of the three prongs that you offer, uh, uh, with, whether it's mentoring or funding or, or something else in your system, do they typically have their MVP 
done or are they coming to you prior to even having a minimal viable product completed? So, so after the acceleration stage, yes, they not only have an MVP, sometimes they already have sales. Uh, when they come to the incubation stage, some of them don't have an MVP. Uh, but, they, but they do need to have a problem identified and a solution for the problem and a way to create the solution, even though they haven't created it. We've had some people come in and present to us an idea. And then when we ask them how they're going to solve it, they say, well, that's what you're for. And we say, no, <laughs> no, that's not what we're for. <laughs> but, uh, so, so basically what I tell people is, look, it's fine if you identify the problem and have the idea, but you also have to have, you know, how, how you're going to solve it. Uh, and then we'll help you. You know, that's interesting. That makes me think about an interview that I, I recently completed with another top tiered uh, person in, in their space, like you are with Startup Mexico. And what they said to me was something interesting. I wanted to bounce this off of you, Marcus. What they said to me is, there's not really every year many really, really super duper brand, brand new ideas. What they said was most of these ideas that they see are sort of an iteration or, 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 or something that's been changed slightly from an older idea. And I wasn't 100% sure, you know, where I felt or where I was on that sort of continuum with regard to that commentary. Do you feel that there's a lot of super great brand new ideas or most of the ideas you see sort of just a better idea of an idea that already existed before? I, I think there's both. I think there's incremental innovation and there's disruptive innovation. And I think both are, are more than welcome. I mean, both have a chance of succeeding. Uh, I, let me tell you something else, Andy. I don't think that we've even started solving the important things in the world yet. You know, so when everybody, anybody tells you that all ideas are already out there and everything, that's completely false. Uh, you know, just just look at the 17 sustainable goals from the UN. None of these have been solved. This is what's really important. Uh, so, so I think there's a lot of space for new ideas and, and a lot of space for disruptive ideas yet. See, I love that. And if people sort of just pay attention, there's many clues out there about what people want. And what you're saying is we haven't solved many of the world's big problems yet. And if technology can solve some of those big problems in a meaningful way, those are the real important things, I think, Marcus, that you're talking about. And if you have one of those ideas, Marcus wants to speak with you today. Isn't that right? Completely. Absolutely. Before we go, Marcus, can you tell us about, so, so our entrepreneurs can, live, can learn from this interview, because I have you on the show, and I don't know if I'll be able to get you back. You're such a busy guy in your space. Can you tell us a story about an entrepreneur that you helped that, that, that maybe stumbled a little bit at the beginning, but sort of caught it, you know, at some point in time and now is scaling to, to wonderful heights? Oh, man, there's so many stories about that, Andy. Uh, I, and I, I feel it's kind of unfair of picking one, but let me, let me, let me tell you one of them. Uh, many years ago, a, 
a guy came to Mexico. We didn't have a crowdfunding in Mexico. Uh, and, and this guy wanted to build a platform for crowdfunding. And uh, he was very young. He was a lawyer. Uh, but he was very passionate about it. And uh, I ended up actually being, becoming the first investor in the, in the platform. And this platform is now, has now really grown. Uh, not only has it grown, but, but uh, they were selected to create the crowd, you know, the fintech law in Mexico. He was selected as one of the lawyers that actually created the law, uh, which was one of the best laws that Mexico has done because it included, it took into advice the, the, the advice from the actual people that were in the space. It, it, it wasn't just made by politicians. It was created in conjunction with the industry. So um, so I, I would think that's a great success story of somebody that's made it. My, my investment has done really well. Uh, I'm very happy with it. Very good, Marcus. I know that you're, you're, you've only slotted a certain amount of time for us, but I wanted to sort of get an idea from you for our younger entrepreneurs with regard to stumbling and skinning your knees and not having everything go exactly right as an entrepreneur, because almost by definition, being an entrepreneur and being a startup founder, not everything is typically going to be absolutely perfect in your in your venture. So could you give us a little, might want to call it a motivational speech or tell us a little bit about what happens to people that sort of skin their knees and, and why they need to keep pushing forward in most cases to be successful? Andy, I'll actually rephrase that. I guarantee you that you will run into problems as an entrepreneur. <laughs> and, and most of the time you'll run into problems that you weren't even aware were problems uh, or, or that you couldn't plan for them. That's part of the beauty of this. This is I, I always compare entrepreneurship to a roller coaster. Uh, whereas, for example, becoming an employee to me is like a carousel. You know, you, the carousel goes around, nothing really happens. You cash your check on, on payday. Uh, but if you are an entrepreneur, you are going to be in a roller coaster. So some days you're going to have a really bad day and some days you're going to have a really good day. And some days you're going to have a really good day in the morning and a really bad day in the afternoon. Uh, and, and, uh, and that's what happens. But what I can tell guys is it's about the journey. It's, it's not about the destination. It's always about the journey. Even success is about the journey. It's not that at the end of your life, you're going to raise your hand and say, I'm successful. Successes, you know, come in batches and, and, and so do failures. And, and, Failure is an integral part of success. You cannot be successful without failing. I don't even think that you would recognize success if you've never failed. So, so, so don't be afraid of it. On the contrary, embrace it. Learn how to work on depression. Learn, learn problem solving, which is, a, I would think, the most important skill of an entrepreneur. And, and, uh, and just go for it. And... and uh, don't expect everything to, to be perfect. I love the phrase, you know, eh, expect the best and plan for the worst, uh, but, but do plan for the worst. Yeah, I love that, Marcus. And, and that, that makes a lot of sense. 
One last question when before before you go, and again, thank you for slicing this time today. I know it's a busy schedule for you, but I really wanted to get you on the show uh, to talk about Startup Mexico. So when you meet with an entrepreneur, you know that they're going to have these ups and downs in, as a roller coaster in their business. And, and you already mentioned that, you know, you look at the team and you look at their mentors and you sort of look at their background and experience, but you knowing that these entrepreneurs are going to be on a roller coaster ride, how do you gut check whether this is the type of guy or gal that's going to be able to push through that downslope of the roller coaster and push through to the, to the next height? How do you, in your mind, figure out which ones you think are going to keep pushing forward and which ones aren't going to make it? Well, Andy, this is an art. It's not a science. So, of course, we're wrong many times. But, uh, but I do sometimes ask them questions that make them uncomfortable. Questions that are, for example, I could ask them something that they think they've already said, and I can hear how they answer it. If they tell me, like, like I've said before, you know, this is, this is a guy that, you know, is a little heavy on the, on the <laughs> or, or doesn't know how to communicate very well. Or, or maybe I ask them something they don't know. But I do know the answer too, and then I can see if they lie to me, or they or they make something up, or they or they or they just say, you know, the good answer should be, look, I don't know the answer, but they write it down, but I'll look for it, and that's the kind of answer I like. So, so there's ways of trying to to get a glimpse of their personality and and, and how they they do this, but of course you can get it wrong. And I think a lot of their personality comes through in the pitch, in the elevator pitch or the micro pitch. The way they present the presentation, the way they I thought. think the personality comes when you put them in conflict with what they're saying. Uh, I think that's essential because because that you know it shows you a lot of things. It shows you their personality, it shows you patience, shows you empathy, shows you if they're willing to work under pressure and they're willing to solve problems and how they solve them if they're ethical. So so you got to put them a little bit in conflict sometimes. I love that. That that's that's fantastic. Somebody needs to write a book about the conflict questions to ask potential entrepreneurs to put them in the position to be able to understand that person's personality much better. Hey, that's let's, wonderful. Let's write it. Let's write it. I love it. I love that attitude. Well, this attitude, uh, Marcus, is obviously what's helped you lead Startup Mexico to being one of the leaders in the space. I wanted again thank you for coming on the show today. This has been a real treat for me. Uh, Marcus, how can people get a hold of you? I'm sure there's going to be entrepreneurs from Latin America, North America, Mexico, and other countries wanting to get a hold of you who watch the show. How can they get a hold of you and your team? And uh, let's give out some of that information now. Sure. I mean, the, the, the easiest way is either email marcus at startupmexico.com. Uh, M-A-R-C-U-S, just so you know it. But look, I'm the only Marcus Dantus in the world. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm in, in social networks, I'm as Marcus Dantus everywhere. Startup Mexico is in social networks as Startup Mexico. I always say that if you cannot find me, then I probably don't want you as a contact. <laughs> exactly. Marcus, this has been a real delight. Again, thank you for slicing out some time to talk about Startup Mexico and what you do. This has been very enlightening. This is a great show. A lot of younger entrepreneurs are going to learn from this, and a lot of established entrepreneurs have something to learn as well. Marcus, thank you so much for being on the show. 
Thank you so much, Andy, for considering us. 